So over the past few weeks, I have been doing a little series about uh, misquoting, misrepresenting, or just, you know, the full-blown context of a verse and how it can be taken one way that it's not meant to. And I kind of want to wrap that up for now. There's, you know, hundreds of verses you could go over that people have misused, but I'm going to end for now, you know, future days. I, I may make another uh, episode about them. But the one I want to end with today is one that's really close to my heart as well. And it's Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14. Um, I'll go ahead and read those just so they're on your mind as I talk about this. But you, you probably recognize these. And once I read them, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. So it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. So this is a very common verse. You've probably seen t-shirts, you've probably seen books, you've seen signs with this verse on it. You know, it's such a famous thing. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. But this is also one of those that's misused. And before I get into that, I want to explain why is this so close to me. Because for me, when I first regained my faith in Christ back in 2016, someone gave me a devotional book, actually. And it was a great devotional book. I actually passed it on to a friend a couple years ago because I thought it was so good. But with it, the way it was structured, it was structured completely around the Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14. At the beginning of every little chapter thing it had, it had the full verse with certain parts highlighted, and it was working its way down it. And then the devotional for the next few weeks would be based around whatever part it highlighted, but it kept emphasizing this verse. And for me as a young Christian at that point, I loved it. You know, I loved hearing this because it's a very feel-good verse and a section, especially if you're young in your faith, where you're like, man, I, the Lord knows the plans for me, which he does. And then, But the part that it can get really tricky with is when you read the, um, I will restore your fortunes and things like that. And as a young Christian, I'm like, wow, you're telling me I just have to put my faith in the Lord and great things are going to happen to me. There's going to be lots of prosperity. And that's, you know, I've spoken lightly in many episodes about how I have a dislike for the prosperity gospel. And that's kind of where that can come in is with this. And so I really loved this verse. And I still really do love these verses. It's great. It shows great things about who God is and how he treats his people. But here's the thing. These verses aren't or the, this command really isn't for specifically every and any Christian, any and every believer. And I never even thought about it. And it's actually kind of something that kickstarted this whole misusing verses thing is one of the guys I've mentioned before, Alan Parr, his uh, YouTube series and ministry called The Beat. I actually saw a video, I think it was a year ago or so now at this point, where he broke down how this verse isn't um, intended for us, for lack of better words. And I never even thought about it until he pointed it out, which also showed that when I was reading this whole chapter as a whole, I was never really paying attention. I just loved the feel-good part. And so that's what kind of really got me into thinking, like, man, you know, this verse that 
I've read every day may not be exactly what it's intended to be. So I do want to say, let's look and see who is this verse intended for. And to do that, all we have to do is go to verse 1 of chapter 29. You know, it's same chapter. And here's what it, the first verse says. These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles and to the priest, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So right there, this tells who this letter is for. It doesn't say this letter is for me in 2021, which, you know, you got to be careful with that because I think all the Bible can be used for me and you in 2021. But this verse, these commands, these declarations that the Lord put on Jeremiah's heart to write a letter about, he specifically was writing these to the Israelites that were in bondage, that were in exile, that were in captivity. And, you know, that's even why in these the 11 through 14, you know, it says, I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and the places where I've driven you. So the Israelites are scattered. They're not all together. So that's the Lord saying, hey, I'm going to bring you back as one people, as one whole. But this is very clearly saying this is to the, the Israelites. And you can also see it in verse four. It says, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles who I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So in these first few verses, before we even get to this, you know, really popular declaration that we hear all the time, we see who this is intended for. Because, again, the whole point of all these episodes I've done is saying, like, you know, there are always some, or there's sometimes original audiences, original people that these are specifically for. And a good example, kind of, well, I think it's a good example. You may not. But a good example of that is think about Peter. When Jesus is having his final conversation on earth with Peter after the resurrection, he's telling him, hey, you're going to build my church. And then he also tells him how he's going to die, which isn't a very good death. And in those two commands, we read that going, hey, Jesus is saying this to Peter. Very obviously. We don't look at the verses of, him saying, you're going to build my church, you're going to die this way, and immediately go, oh, I'm going to build the church. Oh, I'm going to die that way. Th that's illogical. We don't think that. We know Jesus was talking to Peter in that specific situation. And in the same way with this, it's like this is talking about restoring Israel more than anything. And, it, you know, it doesn't take away anything about how these commands can be looked at for us. But we have to remember that this is a chunk of a whole chapter just a small little chunk of a whole chapter that is a whole letter to the Israelites. And it's really hard for us to probably look past that. And it was for me for the longest time too, because it is so feel good, you know, especially just that verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord, just that alone. I still think about that all the time because it's great because God does know the plans he has for us to say he doesn't would just be completely wrong. Obviously he knows the plans for us and it is a very feel good verse to hear that. And, but then there's some parts of it in, it in it that if you're not careful, you can start thinking they are for you, like the fortunes, you know, especially that one, because people will definitely hear that and be like, Oh, if I turn to the Lord, if I seek the Lord, fortunes are in my grasp, but that's not the case. That's not what this promises. This is talking about the Israelites turning back from the fact that they turned away from God, went to other gods completely, went to other nations, were spread out all over the place, were given up into their sinful nature. And this is about that. 
So with all that, what can we learn from this verse, though? The first thing that I thought about was we can learn that God makes promises because this is a promise he gives to the Israelites. We have a God who is willing to make promises. You know, we make promises all the time in God, especially in our sin. Oh, Lord, I promise I'll never do this again and all that. And our promises fail. Our promises are even the best of man at his word will have a promise that they don't fulfill. But God does. God never turns back on his promises. He makes promises and he completes his promises. His promises are true. His promises are good. Another thing we can see is that if God is willing, he can do great things for his people because it says he will restore their fortunes. He will restore their nations. He will bring them back together. He will give them hope and a future. And even if that's not 100% directed to us in this verse, we can still see that God will do good things for his people. And that if he chooses, he will do these great things for his people, for his glory's sake, not for our own sake, not for the Israelites' sake, but for his own glory's sake and showing who he is as God. And the, the main thing I've got from all this too is we can be excited knowing that the same God of Israel, of the Israelites, is the same God that we serve. And he is the God that does provide. He is the God that shows up for his people. And since through Christ and his death on the cross and resurrection and our relationship we have with Christ, we are now adopted children into God's kingdom in the same way the Israelites were his children. So because of that, we're on the same playing field now as the Israelites. And if he's willing to do this for his people, his Israelites, if he's willing to make these promises, God's character traits are true. They never change. So we can expect that God will make promises and do great things for us because he wants his children to be successful. He wants, and I don't mean successful as in careers. I mean, he could be that, but successful as, as in just living life and being provided for. And God will do those things for us because he wants what's best for us, even if it hurts us to wait patiently for seeing the best that he has in store for us. And so there's still tons that we can learn from these verses. But next time you read this and you're thinking this amazing feel-good verse, remember this was intended for the Israelites. Although we have lots we can learn from it and God does make promises for his people, this is very clearly a letter Jeremiah wrote to the nation of Israel from God's special revelation to him to write this. But... This is going to be the last episode I do for a second on um, misunderstanding verses. I want to get back to some other kind of topical things after this, but this is just my take on these verses, and I'm not a pastor. <laughs>